minutes past nine o'clock and it's a well-being window on Riviera Radio. Uh, Gavin is with me live in the studio. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) I am, I'm live. You're live and I'm kind of dreading this one, but what's new there? Couples therapy. Mm. Now, the first question, I've actually had a question that relates from a listener that kind of would answer the first question I was going to ask you. That was for any cynics out there, why would you air your dirty laundry with a complete stranger when we're talking about couples going to see uh, a counsellor? And uh, a listener has written in, Morning, I get attacked by my wife at home. Why would I pay someone to attack me? <laughs> so the two kind of go together, and I'll I'll let you take it from there, Gavin. All right. So, um, well, it's about dirty laundry. I'm not sure what what your state your laundry's in, but um, it, it's a very good question. And actually, both of them, the the, the observation, which I, I, I guess is partly tongue in cheek, which is what's it going to be like, and and very often a relationship has reached a point where someone does feel under attack and they do feel blamed and therefore the idea of going to see a stranger to be attacked again and it puts them off and i think there's this huge expectation that you know we should be able to sort it out ourselves and so i think when when couples see the problem as being their partner that's a good sign that actually couples therapy might help because one of the tasks that we therapists are trained to do is can I shift the focus away from blame to shared responsibility? And if I can create a, a safe and a non-judgmental place, then change can actually happen. And it becomes then less about taking away the problems, but actually how do we deal with the problems. And you know, there's a therapist who's written a lot about, um, has studied couples for thousands of hours called John Gottman. And he actually says, you know, most problems in relationships can't be solved. Oh. And what actually happens, it's not as, it's, don't worry, it's not as bad as that. <laughs> I'll pat my bag so <laughs> what, what he actually says is that you have two types of problems. You have the one that doesn't really cause Um, couples an issue, which is what he calls solvable problems, so situational. So let's say we're a couple, Sarah, and we're deciding, you see, she rolls her eyes every every time I say that, she rolls her eyes and, no, put your bag down, put your coat back on, stay with me. So two types of problems. One is the solvable problem, which is where are we going to go for Christmas holidays? And that will come and go, and it's situational. And then there's the perpetual problems, which is, gosh, Sarah, you just, you spend too much money, or you're, <laughs> she's giggling, or, you know, uh, you might say, Gavin, your time management drives me mad. And we can argue with that until we're blue in the face. That's not really a solvable mm. problem. But what a professional might be able to do is say, How do we deal with that? How can I help you both communicate more effectively? We're not going to solve the problem because Gavin's time management, you know, might get marginally better or you might enjoy shopping or spending money, whatever it might be. But actually, if we can help each other, um, not trigger each other, if we can spot where we're going wrong, then actually the solution doesn't really matter. 
Okay, well, that leads me on to a next question from another listener. It says, hello, Sarah and Gavin. I spent a long time hoping that my partner will change. He's very selfish and rarely takes my needs into account. Like many women, stereotyping here, I raise the kids, keep the household running, and now have a part-time job. We have discussed couples therapy, and I even emailed Gavin about coming to see him, but I changed my mind. At the end of the day, should I try to change someone who is happy with the way he is? Maybe I am the problem and he isn't going to change. Well, I would say actually, um, you're, in, in some respects, you're both the problem. And I think that because that's what happens with couples, we co-create the problem. So there's me and then there's you and there's how we react to each other. And that's the space between. And I often say to couples, that's a sacred space what you put in that space between. So what I heard in that um, question was, if only my partner would do something different, then we'd have a perfect relationship. If only I could change him. You know, I was saying before the, um, just after the eight o'clock news about Michelle Obama and Barack Obama, and she wrote in her autobiography about going to couples therapy. And she said the reason she went to couples therapy was that she wanted to change her husband. And what she learned in couples therapy was that actually she needed to change her reactions to him. Mm. He had to change his reactions to her. So I think that because um, arguments in ther- arguments between couples, they often mask the hidden needs that each of us have. So I would say, um, in some respects, either neither of you are the problem or both of you are the problem. It doesn't really matter. But don't go to therapy because your goal is to change your partner. Mm. And should we not just remember when we first met? You and me? Or just <laughs> a bit like <laughs> our relationship. You know, I mean, couples, you do, obviously that's a time thing. But is there not a part when you, if your relationship is hitting uh, moments of difficulties in communication, do, do we, we kind of forget about when you, f- I mean, when you first meet someone, you, I mean, they get away with everything, don't they? Because you just, you fall in love. And I think that's, a, a very valid point and one of the very first questions I ask a couple when I see them for the first session as before we talk about what's brought you here tell me how you met mm. and what attracted you to each other because part of me does want them to occupy that space I'm also curious to see whether they can remember. I mean, I'm observing everything in that mm. moment. Do they look at each other? Um, does he pour her a glass of water? Does she pour him? I'm, I'm watching everything. And the couples who can look back and remember and smile and there's a bit of eye contact um, kind of gives me more hope that, yes, we, we've lost it, but we can remember, we can inhabit that space. Okay, so just for saying, you know, all couples have their ups and downs. Are there any signs uh, that you might need? When do you know the the alarm bells are ringing for couples therapy? And and can there be like a breaking point where you go, I've got to do this because otherwise it's going to be divorce or separation? So ideally, I would say to all couples listening, don't wait for the breaking point. 
because the work is that much harder. Um, assuming that the goal is, are we going to stay together? It's a little bit like if I, you know, I, I hired a car um, last Christmas uh, when I was away and I saw this red light flashing up and I thought there's a red light on the dashboard, never mind, let's keep going. Uh, and of course, had I paid attention, the red light was telling me that there wasn't much um, air in the tire. And of course, within, you know, within a couple of miles, there I am on the side of the road. And like an idiot, when the person arrives, didn't you see the warning lights? Mm. And I said, well, I did. And of course, then I went very quiet. So we ideally, we don't want to wait for the breaking point. And the signs are that you know, we, we, we often find that there's a repeated conflict. We're here we are again. It's the same argument. I say this and you say that. And it always ends the same way. So that repetition of patterns. Sometimes we're going through a life transition. Um, kids are starting school, finishing school, we're moving home, and the relationship is under strain. Um, sometimes past traumas keep showing up in the relationship. Um, infidelity. So I would say to couples, um, in an ideal world, it's like going to the gym. You actually want to continue to work on the relationship. There doesn't need to be a crisis. You can actually go to fine-tune the relationship. Um, the research shows, again, the Gottman Institute, I was mentioning John Gottman before, and he says that actually most couples wait six years after, not after being married, six years after identifying the problem before seeking therapy. And that's way too late. So what we really want to do is, as soon as we think there's some warning signs, it's not a stigma. It doesn't mean we might split up. It just means, do you know what? We, we, we keep getting in this, this, this pattern. Let's get some help. Okay. Now, th this next question to you, Gavin, is uh, if you take, make the decision to go and uh, get counselling, but it might go a bit Pete Tong, like in this situation. A bit what? Pete Tong, okay. a bit wrong. Right, so, yeah. Hi, Gavin, and lovely Sarah. Uh, do you ever see couples... Lovely Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever see couples separately? I had an odd experience. Our couples therapist wanted to see us individually from time to time. About a year into our work, I found out that my wife had shared... The therapist in one of her sessions shared with the therapist uh, in one of her sessions that she had had an affair years earlier. The two of them had kept the secret and it impacted my trust in the whole process. Mm -hmm. In the end, the three of us were able to work through this and we did stay together. I understand the therapist probably didn't do anything wrong and we got the outcome we wanted but it was a very tough experience. Gavin, what do you think? Is it clearly still staying? It's clearly still staying with me. I might not be over it. I feel like I've been cheated by my therapist too. It's a, it's a very thoughtful question and it's something that crops up a lot in couples therapy. So if I just take a step back, firstly, if I'm seeing someone for individual therapy, I will not work with a couple um, as well because there'll be a conflict. So if I'm working with someone individually, I will not work with a couple. Sometimes it's 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 not uncommon if I'm working with a couple, I might say, I'd like to see you one of one part of the couple for two or three sessions to do um, some family of origin work, or I just like to see you for a few sessions first, and I will then see the other partner for two or three sessions as well. 
But all therapists have to be clear what your policy is about secrets. And my policy is very clear. I will not be the keeper of secrets. Mm. So if you tell me, and you know, you, you learn this either in your training or you learn it the hard way. And I can think of a couple very early on in my career where I didn't stress that. And, um, and it did come back to bite me because in that particular case, one of the reasons why there was no sexual intimacy is because he'd experienced some sexual abuse, but didn't want his partner to know. I was the okay. first person he'd ever shared that with. Right. Then, of course, we get together, the three of us, and I'm in a very difficult position because we're talking about, well, why are we not sexually intimate? So the thing I'm very clear about now is, look, if you tell me something which is going to, you know, the coupleship, is the client. Mm -hmm. I'm there to work with both of you. So if you tell me something, such as an infidel infidelity, I, you know, then you give me nowhere to go other than it's got to come back into the room. Okay, and what advice would you give to him as he says he might not be over it and he feels like he's been cheated by his therapist too? What would you say he could maybe do to, to not feel that way? Well, I, I don't know if he's still in the therapy, but I think I would, um, you know, if he's still in the therapy, I think I would discuss it with the therapist and just say I wasn't expecting it and I feel hurt. He can discuss it with his partner um, and ultimately something for him to process. But yes, that's tough because he's discovered there's been a betrayal of trust. Um, and on some level, he feels betrayed by his therapist. And um, and if the therapist wasn't clear, then, then you know, that's, that's a mistake. Okay. Well, as you just, you've mentioned about, you know, not taking sides and, and sharing things and making things very transparent when it's a, a couple's therapy. What happens, that's once they're with you, what happens if only one part of the couple doesn't want to attend therapy? I should say the taking sides thing is um, is actually um, is tricky because um, you don't take sides as a therapist, and as I said, you know the couple is the couple is the client, and one of the things that we're trained to do as therapists is we're trained to look at the system and not the individual. Um, so if something is happening in the relationship, it's okay. He said X, and she says Y help me understand why you responded to your partner that way. Um, but I have said to couples um, or to individuals, my God, I wouldn't want to be married to you. I mean, you really are tough or um, that's, you know, that you feels like you're cross-examining your husband. Um, so, and, and if there's emotional abuse or any type of abuse in the relationship, then of course I take sides because it's, you know, it's ethical um, and I have a duty to do so. So, there was a question there, which is, what happens if one part of the couple doesn't want to attend therapy? Was that the question? Yeah. It's really tough, um, and I wish I had a, a, a quick fix answer. Um, what tends to happen is the person who wants to go to therapy gives the other one an ultimatum and says, if you don't go to therapy, I'll leave you. And that's not the best response because there's nowhere to go after you've given an ultimatum. Um, so, what I would say is try and be specific about what's happening for you. I feel lonely in our relationship. I feel unloved. I would like someone, a professional to help us because rather than the you, and that's what tends to happen, it's, it becomes about blame or it might be, I find your drinking difficult. Can we get help? Um, 
And then you know, there isn't a lot you can do other than sometimes someone does their own work in therapy because they'll come in and say, look, I can't get my partner to come in. Um, I've got to do the work on my own. Um, you might try and read a book together. You mm. can try and do a, like a day's workshop. But the bottom line is if someone doesn't want to go to therapy, it it's not there's probably little point in dragging them along unless once they're dragged along, they're motivated to do the work. Okay, Gavin Sharp from Riviera Wellbeing is with me. Uh, we're discussing couples therapy. We've got a few questions lined up for after the news, sport and weather. If you have a question you'd like to put to Gavin, it's the studio at rivieradio.mc. 9.27, the news, sport and weather is next. Mm. It's the Riviera Wellbeing window. I'm joined by Gavin Sharp from Riviera Wellbeing. We're discussing couples therapy and when it might be a good idea uh, to go, uh, to take the plunge. And moving on, we've got quite a few questions to get through uh, between now and 10 o'clock. So if you don't mind, Gavin, we'll continue. I'm ready, I'm You're ready. ready. Okay. Hi, Sarah and Gavin. My partner and I have discussed couples therapy on and off for some time. We are a relatively new relationship too. My fear is that once we open Pandora's box, it will make things worse. Is my fear a realistic one? Should couples be considering therapy early on in their relationship? Or should this be a sign to end it before it gets ugly? So I would say... I'll be brief because I think that's what Sarah was really politely saying is don't don't ramble on Gavin um, I would say that as I said before go early on in the relationship for sure uh, and will it make things worse it's often a fear um, and it might feel like it because if you have been avoiding having some hard conversations for a very long time that's what you're going to have in the couple's therapy. So there will be a period when you're going to be addressing what might have been brushed under the carpet, but that is the idea. So it might feel worse before it feels uh, gets better. And of course, the assumption is that you're going to see a competent couple's therapist. I mean, if, if, if you go and see a vet, it's not going to work, but go and see a couple's therapist that you've got confidence in. Well, and that leads me on to the next one, which is uh, some good news, which just goes to prove that maybe there isn't a right or a wrong time if you uh, feel you need it. Uh, hi, Sarah and Gavin. Here's some good news. I never thought that my relationship would recover from the state it was in some years ago. We were functioning for the sake of the children, but there was no love between us. We had spent years like strangers living under the same roof. Both of us would rather have a cup of tea than sex. Uh, we went to see a couple's therapist at the suggestion of our divorce lawyer as that was the stage we had reached one year uh, couple of couples sorry one year of couples therapy later we were in a loving relationship and able to connect in a way we could never have imagined uh, please don't fear it or knock it until you've tried it p.s we drink a lot less tea these days wink wink i always know that gavin helped i also know that gavin helped a friend of mine who was in a similar situation and they are now back living together all I can say is that it's bloody hard, but it can work. I hope my share might help other couples. Mm, that, that, that says it all. And I'll just pick up on one point, which was the fact that sometimes with couples therapy, it's not that the relationship goes back to what it was before, but actually what couples often find, those who, who choose to stay together and where the work has been successful, is 
they reached something much more satisfying because there were often things that a, a lack of intimacy or connection that was always there and with the help of the professional actually they reach a place that they didn't know they could reach so it's a heartwarming um uh, email to, to listen to Yes, thank you very much. Some good news. And uh, also, now, I, I thought about this before the show. I didn't really know. It's funny how you say the stigma about couples going uh, to therapy. Uh, because we don't really, if we fall out, and it can be just as painful when you fall out with a very good friend. But you tend not to say, oh, I'm going to therapy with my friend, do you? Mm-hmm. Well, this next question says, should couples try to think of their partners as they do their friends, uh, that they would lose if they don't speak to them with respect? With friends, you're much more careful what you say. I have said that to my long-term partners, uh, one woman and two blokes. Would you speak to a friend like that? I think if you find it helpful to look at the relationship that way, then yes. Of course, there is a difference with um, our love relationships because often there's that much more at stake. And we, we pair bond almost sort of instinctively it's primal it's about survival and so i might be able to tolerate an argument with a friend but what gets pushed my hot buttons what gets triggered in a relationship with my partner is this fear of disconnection this fear of being abandoned or rejected so yes i think if you find it helpful that's a good way to um to look at it but and that's just the caveat is that of course our love relationships are different. We are more vulnerable and often it's the level of intimacy or not often the level of intimacy, it is different. So that creates a way where they say to you, because I, I mean, I've experienced that. You could maybe say you see them interact with other people and then the minute you move away, they'll be maybe making remarks or saying things that they wouldn't dare say to, to their friends that are around them at the time. But you think that's just because that's the functioning of, of being a couple and living together, I guess. Yes, and I think rather than actually bringing the friends in, if your partner has said something to you that stings or that hurts, by using an I statement, it's, um, I feel upset by, you know, when you say that, um, when, you, when you make a comment about, I don't know, my weight, or it upsets me. Because I think the moment we start saying, well, you wouldn't say that to X, we're sort of veering into the sort of the blaming, we're bringing someone else in, and then we're starting to talk about X, rather than what's going on here is, I feel hurt, I feel unseen. Okay, um, following on with another question. Uh, Hi, Gavin and Sarah. Quick question for Gavin. Uh, Do you have to talk about childhood stuff in couples therapy? That puts my boyfriend off. He also thinks you will be uh, burning incense candles and chanting. I guess I will have a hard job to convince him. So I definitely, there's no incense candles burning that I can tell you, uh, and unless someone in the office next door is chanting, no. But again, it's interesting what this perception is of what couples therapy um, might be like. Um, What was the first part of the question? I've just got got fixated with the candles. Sorry, do you have to talk about childhood? Okay, so the, the difference with couples therapy than individual therapy is we don't tend to look at childhood issues in detail because what we're working with is the here and now. So I'll often say to a couple, um, what just happened in that moment? You just, you just rolled your eyes or something just happened. Let's, let's look at it. You seem upset or, and we'll unpack it. There is a context. So I might say, what did you learn about anger growing up? What did you learn about um, relationships growing up? 
And then I might say that's something for you to take to your individual therapy. So it's only there because it's a context, but we're not going deeply into uh, historical trauma. We're just understanding where it fits in the relationship. I hope that helps and answers your question. And uh, thank you for all your emails. We'll just take a, a short break. We're speaking to Gavin uh, from Riviera Wellbeing about uh, couples counselling, 9.45, the Full English Breakfast Show. Forty-eight. It's the Wellbeing Window on Riviera Radio um, with Gavin Sharp from Riviera Wellbeing. We're discussing couples uh, therapy. Now, before we just move on to the uh, next question from a listener, uh, Gavin, the, just before the break, uh, somebody had a rather preconceived ideas of maybe how couples therapy works. And do, you, do couples ever have a big argument in the middle of a couples session? Oh, yes. Yes, they do. And it's it's really good when they do. Um, and I don't mean that facetiously because actually, as I was saying before, it's it gives me an insight into the here and now. And so, you know, one of the things that as, as a couples therapist we work with couples to do is to facilitate, to help people make repairs. So when it goes wrong, because again, there's lots of research that shows that healthy couples, they repair early and they repair often. So in other words, something that stops things um, spiraling. So couples do sometimes have an argument because it's inevitable. We're talking about stuff that's triggering them. Um, and it's often a way that I can then intervene. And there's two things I often will observe after I'm watching an argument. And I'll say to each of them, what's the story that you are telling yourself right now? And this is really helpful in all couples' arguments, whether you're in therapy or not. Because very often the story I tell myself is, if he really loved me, he wouldn't have come home late last night. If she really loved me, she wouldn't have said no to um, my sexual advances. Or, And then how true is that story? Mm. So the first thing I'll do is just capture the, what is it that you're telling yourself? So the story I tell myself. And the second part, and they're often linked, is the, if you really loved me, dot, dot, dot. Because again, there's something there that you are wanting to say but instead it's coming out as a criticism or a blame and I just watched it happen between the two of you. What is it if you really loved me? And then it will be, well, if you really loved me, you would spend more time at home. And then we're into something that's less confrontational. So yes, couples have arguments in the middle of couple sessions. And so long as it's not abusive or, you know, uh, people aren't throwing stuff around the room, then I, I welcome it. Okay, uh, another listener says, Hi, Gavin and Sarah. Uh, how do gay couples or gender non-conforming couples best find a therapist to work with? Would a regular therapist have the skill to work with them? I would say to ask your therapist, do you have experience working with gay couples? Um, and you want to find a therapist that is gay affirmative, that doesn't believe in, in conversion therapy or... And, you know, most therapists 
I hope will have had experience working with heterosexual couples and gay couples. And uh, I don't think, you know, a gay couple might feel more comfortable uh, that they'll see someone's website is I specialize in working with LGBT couples. Um, but a good couples therapist will have been trained and understand the similarities and the differences. Okay, so is there evidence that uh, couples therapy works? Well, look, we're still together and we're, we're, <laughs> we're talking to each other and um, there is, there is a evidence that, that it works. And look, it's, it's always a tricky one with evidence and therapy because what does success look like? And I will always say when I meet a couple, I have no agenda. And what you might discover through this process is some clarity that you choose not to stay together um, or you choose to stay together but knowing the state of the relationship and if things haven't shifted um, but there was a, a very big piece of research done by very well mind uh, and I think it was um, I think it was this year uh, and I think the stats were of the couples I think it was a thousand couples this is quite staggering 99% of the couples who were in therapy said it had a positive impact so you know yes there are bad therapists and you will often hear someone saying i went to couples therapy didn't work you know two people it is more challenging two people have to walk out of a session and say yeah you know what that guy gavin i quite liked him let's give it a go but if one person says i couldn't stand him <laughs> don't go back because you know, you just don't have you mustn't run off with gavin that's all yeah, you must run, <laughs> don't, off, don't run off with your therapist no and I can't run very fast, so you know, it won't work. <laughs> okay. And so in all of this, it's, it's, is it ever too late for couples therapy? Maybe people that are sitting on the fence and, and not making the jump to maybe do it? Is it... You know, I think that I have seen couples where I have said, you know, there is so much contempt between you both that this is what I would call a toxic relationship um, there you know I saw a couple about a year ago and both of them were equally verbally abusive to each other I won't use the language on air because you'll definitely take me off the air but they were using that in the couple session in their fights they were both a bit physical with each other um, and I said to them actually I don't think I don't see there's a motivation to change and if we go back to because both of them wanted to prove their and that they were right and they were in and of course we all want to do that in an argument but they were so entrenched neither of them had any empathy for the other so yes i think there are times when what you'll discover either very quickly or you know without it taking that long is this relationship has reached the end of the road and so and it's the my responsibility to share with a couple if i think the relationship is toxic or unhealthy so go back to what we said at the very beginning of the show, the sooner you go. Um, you know, more couples will now go before they get married. Um, you, know, we're, you know, we're engaged. <laughs> before you get married? You oh, because come you're, off you're, <laughs> because no, you're, I'm not you're, taking that. I'm not, you see, I knew sooner or later I'd lose Sarah, and it's, it's, it's taken me 54 minutes, and it usually I, it happens in the first 10 minutes. I've done before very well. Before you get married, you're going to a counsellor. Well, do you, you know... Do you go to the gym on a regular basis? Do you look after yourself? Do you service your car? If you look after your car and you want to have 
good maintenance. She's listening. She's yeah. listening. So you want to maintain your functioning because of the car. Because you've been driving your car for the last 10 years. Yeah. So of course she would. But you maybe just met your new car. You're not going to take, take it in for a service two days later, are you? I would, well, it depends if you've bought, if you, you <laughs> might have bought an old car. Um, but even if you bought a new car, you do want to look after it. You do want to look after that car and you do want to see, um, ideally, you want to see the reason that you do service it on a regular basis is because you don't want it to deteriorate. So I would say for couples who are dating, what learn how to argue effectively because you are going to face an argument at some point on your relationship that's going to test your relationship. Okay, so you're preparing yourself for something that might or might not happen, but at least you're prepared. You're preparing yourself and if, you know, you've been dating for more than a few weeks, you're going to have had some disagreements. You will have had some resentments. Even within that love, you know, that sort of I'm on cloud nine, mm. isn't she, isn't he wonderful? There's still some things, but you know what, I tell you what did irritate me when we had that big argument or when we nearly split up? And those things have a tendency to fester. So what I'm saying is work on the relationship. Treat okay. it no differently than servicing your car, um, working on your muscles when you go to the gym, ongoing maintenance. I don't, I don't do that anyway. So, <laughs> sorry. No, but I, I do get what you're saying. And I'm, I don't, I, I'm not being disrespectful for people who do go to counselling before getting married. I just I found it just quite a surprising Road to take. If I can uh, still surprise you at this point, in our <laughs> you relationship, always surprise Sarah, me, Gary. <laughs> then I'm I'm very happy. Okay, so how can I come and see you? <laughs> come on, what do I have to do? If you want to come and see me, uh, then um, you email me Gavin at RivieraWellbeing.com. Um, what I tend to do more of now because I do have a wait list of of clients um, is that two things I'm going to mention very briefly. More couples are choosing, it's more expensive, but to spend, and this will definitely shock you, two days, sometimes four days, particularly if one of them is traveling or they want to know a make or break. Mm. Um, and they will actually, and I bring over another therapist from the UK um, because I like to have a, a female therapist in the room with me. And we'll really spend an intense period of time lifting up the bonnet and looking at the relationship. Um, and something else I haven't done since before COVID, but what I'm hoping to do, and email me if you're interested in um, Nice on a Saturday in September, is if I get 10 couples, 10 couples into a room, you don't need to share any, I can see where you're going. <laughs> I, better, I better try and find somebody to come with. What do I have to do? You don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to share personal information, but people usually want to splurge within the first 30 seconds, having said, I'm not going to share, I'm not going to share. <laughs> and then they get in the room and they say, well, we haven't had sex for 20 years. <laughs> you haven't had sex for... I've never had sex. So people tend to share oh, a lot. But it's 10 couples. Mm. And what we will do is give so many of the tips away that we do in couples therapy about effective communication, about how to problem solve, uh, about um, intimacy. So if you are interested in that, it will be a day long, it will take place at a hotel in Nice. Um, and if we get 10 couples, um, then we'll do it again. Okay, great. And that, but that's not, you've got something on at the moment because I've, I've got a, a listener's written in saying, How do I get tickets to Gavin's event this week? Are there any left? There are, I believe there are still a few tickets left. So tomorrow evening at Creme in Monaco, if you're a member of Creme, it's free. Uh, if not, there's a 25 euro. Um, donation to Creme uh, and I'm talking about 
Which I've got couples going through my head. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about getting what you want and the art of saying no. So I'm talking about healthy boundaries. I'm talking about uh, how we can, um, yeah, the art of saying no. How we can assert ourselves when we find it um, challenging. So if you do want, you can email me um, this morning. I would recommend Gavin at RivieraWellbeing.com, uh, and then I'll let you know if there's still tickets. Still tickets available for that. That's tomorrow evening. Well, thank you for putting up with me, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for putting up with me, as always. You see how we always end so nicely? We start nice and we finish nicely. <laughs> uh, what are we doing next month? Uh, we're assuming we're still together. Next month, uh, I would like to talk about, and I think you will like this one, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, uh, positive thinking, how our thinking styles impact our happiness. Oh, yes. So, uh, yes, you, you that's like that me one. all over. So yeah. it's sort of got a bit of a CBT flavour to it, cognitive behavioural therapy, but based on this premise that um, our thoughts influences our behaviour and our feelings. So how do we change our thoughts? Oh, fantastic. Looking forward to that. That'll be the first Wednesday of June. It will indeed. Crikey, already. Well, thank you very much, Gavin. Have a wonderful week and a month, and I'll see you next month. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, to the listeners. Thanks for having me here, and a happy coronation. Of course. Yeah. Happy coronation. <laughs> Gavin Sharp from Riviera Wellbeing. The English Breakfast Show is brought to you by Air France. Fly to spectacular destinations around the world. The Air France network accompanies you at every step of your travel cravings to make sure there is no location you cannot reach. Elegance is a journey. Air France. Go to airfrance.fr or in your local travel agency.